Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to New Cyber Frontier. I'm your host, Timothy Montgomery, and today we have with us Ed Gibbs. Mr. Ed. I'm sure you get that a lot, probably, right? Ed. I do. Mr. Gibbs, how are you today? I'm doing great. Okay, so a little formal introduction. I, I think this is the first time I've had a chance to meet you. Uh, so, and it sounds like from what I did gather so far, you've done some podcasting yourself. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, please introduce yourself. Sure. So uh, like I said, my name is Ed Gibbs. Uh, I've been in security for roughly oh, 25, 30 years. Uh, I started out as a developer uh, writing um, kernel code and uh, real, in real-time OSs. Uh, worked for Dow Jones, Lockheed, different places on some pretty sophisticated projects and uh, including encryption. And uh, so went into professional services, started delivering the very first commercial firewall, which was digital uh, SEAL, S-E-A-L, running on OSF1. And uh, we delivered that around the world. That was before checkpoint, secure uh, computing. Uh, this uh, was a three-gated Unix system that you had the VI kernel files. Rebuild the kernel and uh, you know, set up your routing accordingly and hope it worked. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, you know, beyond that, I moved into uh, pre-sales and security for companies like Nokia, which uh, we sold checkpoint, and uh, McAfee on the IPS side as well as uh, Cisco Systems, Symantec, um, Sky High Networks, which was a CASB solution, uh, cloud access security broker. Uh, we were the first to market that. And uh, all along the way, I kept up with development. Uh, I managed uh, small engineering teams. Um, I was based out of Chicago for a little while. Uh, when COVID uh, decided to you know, pop up and chase everybody out the city, <laughs> And uh, so I went to work for a startup and uh, kind of laid low from there. So uh, this is where I am today. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, awesome. I was glad to have you. And uh, we certainly are interested to hear what uh, you as an individual, you know, what the history you've got and the professional background there. Uh, I'm curious more or less, what's our topic of interest today, sir? Yeah, you know, one of the topics that I've been really focusing on lately is uh, overexposure uh, on the internet. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about people <laughs> exposing themselves. <laughs> but what we're talking about here <laughs> is, you know, the, the, uh, the services and the infrastructure uh, that enterprises have uh, and how easy they've made it to find these uh services uh down to things like even the version the the users the domains that they're using internally uh are being exposed uh, to the public and uh it's just having the right resources and knowing where to look to find it and uh what what i'm finding is uh this pattern of behavior uh, you know, I, I thought it peaked and uh, everybody's become hyper aware of security. It's been in the news a lot lately, um, you know, down to the lay person, right? They're asking questions. Yeah. And uh, but when it comes to hyper exposure, it, it hasn't changed. Uh, 
And uh, in fact, it's gotten worse. And uh, I'll be glad to give you some examples of that as, as we continue our discussion. But um, I'm not sure what it's going to take to change that. Uh, you know, we, we continue to talk about, but there's no action, right? And, uh, you know, there's companies out there uh, that specialize in, you know, collecting information about uh, organizations, uh, what applications they're using, what SaaS services, um, you know, what routers they use, and down to everything you would ever want to know from a competitive standpoint, you can get. Yeah, and right. it's readily available, almost public. Exactly right. Uh, passive DNS is a great example of being able to find that information, and yeah. <laughs> so you know, you, you do your scans, you do your lookups and things, and uh, you know, uh, I, I've written uh, a, a library uh, in Python that basically does the, the uh, I think it's a, the Lichtenstein uh, algorithm yeah. uh, for distance uh, matching, pattern matching, and uh, what I was able to find was. Uh, absolutely amazing and uh, you know if you ever wanted to know about anything about a company uh, it's out there yeah and yeah and, and they wonder how they got hacked right yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a good answer I mean one doesn't ever know I mean all simply don't understand what the, what the components and how they end up being fleshed out publicly so I think a lot of majority of organizations they don't know what's out there for them to see. So a gentleman like yourself has the knowledge, goes in and starts plugging away at some things and happens to come across some stuff. And, hey, did you know that it's quite possible to do this with it? <laughs> so Yeah. All of a sudden, you got a very clear picture of the attack surface, uh, yeah. what assets they own. Um, yeah, and, and really finding that information has become uh, very easy, uh, particularly in the role I've been in as a, a security researcher. Uh, you know, typically working with organizations to expose that. And uh, real quick, what's interesting is uh, some of the uh, CISOs I've met with, I've sent them this information. They asked for it, first of all. <laughs> and uh, I never hear back. <laughs> and I don't see anything changing. You know, I'll check back three months later, do another scan, and guess what? Nothing's changed. So it's like they put their head in the sand. I don't want to know this. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, you probably scare them, man. That's probably what it is. So right here, we're going to take a pause for our, uh, for, for our vendors uh, for commercial break here. So uh, we'll put it on a okay. pause and we'll come right back with Ed and talk about how he's scaring a whole lot of CISOs these days. So uh, we'll be right back. BlockFrame technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. All right, welcome back to our show, New Cyber Frontier. I'm your host, Tim Montgomery, and I'm speaking here today with Ed Gibbs, a gentleman that seems to have a whole lot of history for... Uh, Seems like the inception of the firewall almost, right? Ed? I mean, that's <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and before the break, we were talking about how you were scaring the dickens out of all these CISOs and uh, the relativeness of overexposure for, you know, machines and just networks in general. 
uh, and the concept behind why in the world is this still out there. So, um, I mean, when you were talking about these tips, it just seemed like they just didn't want to hear about it or what was, what do you think the uh, reason for them not answering you might be? You know, I, I think uh, when they look at this, it, it's a massive task uh, because what are you supposed to do about it? You know, you have all these uh, systems uh, in your um, infrastructure, uh, these assets. Uh, it's not like you can change the names. A lot of these systems are hard coded uh, in the applications, uh, you know, within the, they rely on each other. There's interdependencies uh, that use these names. Um, and so to change all that would be a massive undertaking. Uh, and quite frankly, they may feel like they have higher priorities to take care of uh, than dealing with this. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think a lot of times they look at it as something maybe insignificant, um, uh, not necessarily speaking for the lowest guy on the totem pole that might recognize something like this inside their organization, bringing it up once or twice. Uh, but you're right, as they polarize or have to prioritize, on what they do day to day as far as budgets. And it just doesn't sink in, I think, a lot with, right. they may never get that sixth or seventh priority on their list ever, uh, per se, depending on the organization. Right, you take an organization, uh, you know, I, I worked with a company in Chicago once, they had a, a, about 5,000 employees, uh, and it came time to rationalize the software on the desktops. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that involved so many people, <laughs> so many meetings. Never agree on anything? <laughs> no, not, nothing. And, and worst of all, there was mergers and acquisitions that had different software and different things right on their desktops. And, yeah. and, and we could never agree on, I was there for the security portion of it. And uh, we could never agree on the, the desktop solution uh, to put in place because there was all these different requirements and things. Uh, so it, it just got ugly and it felt like it was going down a rat hole quick. And uh, so that was one thing. But, uh, you know, with the information that's available on the internet about these organizations, uh, you know, whether you get it through a freeware source like DNS Dumpster or something like that, right, or you're going to go out to uh, uh, these uh, companies that sell their DNS databases, uh, you know, th there's lots of information because a lot of times these companies, I remember at uh, one company I worked for uh, in Liberty Lake, Washington, uh, they were a AWS gold partner. Yeah, uh, and they had some major uh, clients. Uh, we're talking Fortune 500, right? Yeah. And one of the biggest challenges we had was trying to keep up with their AWS infrastructure uh, and the changes that were going on almost hourly. Uh, you know, we tried to automate the entire security process. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job. Uh, we did, uh, uh, you know, first step, uh, you know, uh, resolution a lot of times, uh, first call, and uh, all the way through to, um, you know, root cause analysis and things. Uh, but where it got really complicated was these organizations that had third party contractors. Uh, oh. And it, yeah, you know, now we're going. <laughs> Into a very deep area, right? You know, how yeah, do you work with third party? Hi. Yeah. 
Well, they had to have access. They had to have, you know, whether you did that through VPN or whatever you did, right? right. Uh, they, they were modifying rules. They, a lot of times these development third parties are the worst offenders uh, because they're not thinking about security and they're not thinking about, you know, hey, if I call it this, it, 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 it gives it away. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I'll give you a simple example, right? Uh, I, I ran across this one organization. Uh, they had uh, uh, some Jenkins servers uh, yeah. set up in AWS. And uh, uh, the FQDN included the name of it, what it was, what version it was and everything. And it was that version that they were using was riddled with holes. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so it didn't take much yeah, uh, you know, to do that. And uh, so mm -hmm. the, the parent uh, organization that hired the contractor, um, I sent him a letter saying, look, this is what's going on. You know, do you want to do something? Well, nothing happened for about a couple of months. Uh, I wrote another letter, uh, included the CISO and the uh, CEO, and I uh, got a response. <laughs> they had sent a letter to the contractor saying, you know, you do this again, you're fired. <laughs> and <laughs> so that's what it took to get some action done, right? Yeah. And yeah. And uh, so it was a, it was a major uh, issue. And uh, you, but, think you, know, that, you think that culture has a lot to do with whether or not these prioritizations don't reach the top? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, culture has a lot to do with it. I think you're right about that. I've, in my time uh, being um, Cisco and having to bring that to the forefront, my past is a big particular thing is they just don't have time for it or it's not a priority until you know something major or drastic occurs Correct. and then all of a sudden now we need to throw you know the whole entire kitchen sink at it <laughs> because it needs to fix now you know type of thing it's it's a reactiveness not a proactiveness i i would say that's right so there's not preventiveness in in play with the culture that's there so uh, and a lot of companies i think you see that a lot um what do you think i mean this culture idea i mean why why being such a i guess a stick in the mud basically for you know your it your cio that gentleman or uh, or uh woman would be you know they usually are about uptime not necessarily downtime and they critically look at uh cybersecurity as being us trying to drop you know as, as you get into a security posture it's all about limitations and boundaries and things uh, but I, i've never in all my years a few years that i've done metrics now that I've ever had to worry about, you know, I know there's downtime, but it, it, I've been able to work with the CIOs and be able to produce just how safe it is with uptime. So, and I've never understood why the culture seems to play such a hard, you know, bank to, to just allow on cybersecurity. And so that culture seems to play a big role, doesn't it? Yeah, I think culture and the, and the role they're in, right? Uh, you take uh, application developers, uh, you know, with, uh, agile rapid development right the, yeah. they're running sprints and yeah. you know they got they got to get this code done and yeah. uh, the, the, they want to facilitate everything they want to take sh shortcuts maybe set up their own infrastructure yeah uh, they don't care what it takes i got to yeah. meet this deadline yeah. and uh, so they're not really thinking about security they're not thinking no. about anything right <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah it, when you mention security they're like uh-oh yeah. it's yeah. like the lawyers got involved <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of what it said their face kind of dropped Whoa. So. yeah and uh but what they're doing is they're doing more harm than good and uh, eventually yeah. 
you know, one of the things that uh, we took pride in that uh, this cloud management company that I was part of is doing, um, taking in, assessing the infrastructure, starting with a clean foundation and uh, building up and optimizing it for the cloud rather than try to do a one-to-one, you know, migration from, uh, say, a terrestrial data center to the cloud. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, migrations like that are not worth it, right? Ex- exactly. You're, you're bringing a lot of overhead and things you don't really need anymore. Uh, and so having that, uh, you know, by doing those one-to-one migrations it taught us a lot in the beginning is that, you know, we're going to have to band-aid a lot of things. Yeah. And when you start band-aiding stuff, that's, you're putting the entire organization at risk. You might as well just hang a sign up and say, you know, uh, we're held together by wing nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's also uh, refreshing to have something that's an infrastructure that's not a trend or an infrastructure extension, but right. literally a, an old system and then builder of a new system being able to dedicate, move, you know, moving older applications and redeveloping them in a sense for the newer infrastructure so i mean to me it means more uptime but yeah. i mean that's, that's you're exactly right to me it means more uptime yeah. too and i think uh, the biggest challenge is you know when you talk about security in the cloud right uh, just because you move to the cloud doesn't mean that you're secure at all right you know and uh the, you're bringing the same baggage you got everything you got operating systems you got everything else involved True. and uh you know Somehow they think that uh, setting a default gateway of you know zero 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 is okay. <laughs> I'm in the cloud. What could happen? Right. And uh, yeah, <laughs> open up everything, right? Every yeah. port and whatever <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, and that's simply not the case, right? Especially with uh, the the overexposure of databases. And uh, I, I can't tell you how many databases I've I've found in the last oh month. Uh, that uh, had no authentication or minimum default authentication. Really? Yeah. So what I did was I wrote some scripts, you'll love this, uh, <laughs> to go out, uh, collect that information on what was running out there, Yeah. Uh, take screenshots, uh, then try to automate the uh, login process for each one, uh, depending on what it was. I did the same thing for CCTVs about uh, two or three months ago. Yeah. I found 20... 2,000 open CCTVs. What? Yeah. And uh, so I... I thought we were being hacked. You know, use... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wide open. You know, yeah, it's it's... free for all. <laughs> right. it, exactly, yeah. right. And, uh, but you know, one of the cool things too, uh, just a, a little mention here that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I get the opportunity to work with the FBI. Um, I've worked with the U.S. Marshals. Uh, I did some training for the U.S. Navy. And, uh, you know, everybody seems to be amazed uh, and shocked, you know, yeah. th- that this is going on and nothing, you know, is really being done about it. So when, when you hear about critical infrastructure uh, getting compromised, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, you know, ransomware, whatever it is. Right. Uh, it, it's happening. And uh, we're we're in a sense allowing some of it or enabling some of it. Uh, we are. You know, and we, we totally are. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's made 
it's good to be on the good side of the law yeah. <laughs> you know because i i went to loyola university okay. and yeah i i could have easily <laughs> turned out on the other side somehow and uh not be where i am today but um you know there oh, are nefarious <laughs> yeah the, the fact is the world is always going to have nefarious actors right these bad yeah. actors that uh, that they have yeah. no intention of doing anything but mischief right and uh you know they're out there exposing things they're out there uh, discovering they're, they're scanning so you know a lot of the questions i i get asked is what if we don't do this right what, what if we don't protect our infrastructure what's the cost well yeah. then yeah, that's a whole different discussion uh, that's very complex find out soon enough i think hospitals are really starting to feel they seem to be the one in the news a lot of times i mean the oil industry there got zapped but you just don't you don't hear that so often you hear it more with the hospitals these days than anything it seems to be in the news at least I, i'm sure it's happening everywhere else as well but do, do you know why hospitals are are an easy target no why i'll get I, from what I'll give you my perspective on it. Okay. Uh, when I, I, I specialized in healthcare when I was at Symantec. So I had some of the biggest healthcare organizations in the US I was working with. Okay. And, and I'll never forget one of them I worked with, no names mentioned, uh, <laughs> uh, had no segmentation whatsoever. Um, they couldn't tell a user from a medical device, you know? <laughs> and then when it came to medical devices, you couldn't modify them and you couldn't they touch had them. embedded stuff they basically had structure that wasn't dynamic exactly Coding. and uh, so what we would want to do is you know we we're trying to set up proxies uh to uh, segment the internal from external and yeah. uh, we're also trying to set up uh, encryption um uh what was it uh decryption uh, encryption devices for yeah. uh, tls ssl right on the network and uh, I couldn't do it because it was the networks were such a mess, and they were so afraid that they would bring the medical devices down. And uh, so on those medical devices, you know, typically if they were communicating over uh, uh, an SSL VPN or using SSL TLS communications, uh, I wanted to be able to take that certificate off that device and import it into my uh, proxy so I can decrypt it and see what's yeah. going on. And because uh, if that device is ever compromised, that's a clear channel out right there mm -hmm. uh, for data exfiltration and everything else, right? Uh, yeah, this thing will put out the in and out. Exactly. And it's too easy to do. Uh, so, but I couldn't touch them. And uh, you know, I would say that uh, they probably were about, if I had to measure it, uh, I'd give them a three out of five. Uh, and even after setting up everything, yeah. I, I would give them a 3.5 out of five. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, like, that's one prime example of why it's so easy to seem to be uh, well i won't call them the victims but i just seem that it, they did not i don't think they put as much emphasis into understanding uh what type of uh structure they needed so in that's healthcare right. industry they certainly went for the um the bot i guess the experience you know you bring your own device type scenarios and they went so full force that they didn't Perspective-wise, it didn't seem like they put a lot of a thought process into um, where that security and what levels of security they were going to imply. Um, but they certainly reached their customer pretty pretty good. So there's too many avenues there now. I mean, the 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 just the rules of engagement is so. I mean, you can overwhelm a system pretty fast with not being able to plug them all. Um, I 
I think that though, um, I mean, today is I see a lot of um, I see a lot of uh, transactions or uh, trending for engineers to actually work in those fields to actually harden a lot of those devices today. So I right. think we're moving in that direction. Um, we are. It's going to take time. We'll be right back with uh, with our guest there, Ed Gibbs, uh, after a short break from our sponsors. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. All right, welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. Uh, today's edition, uh, I am your host, Timothy Montgomery, and today I'm here with Ed Gibbs, a longtime uh, cyber uh, professional in the field for more than 30 years. Uh, I almost want to say you invented the firewall. We'll, we'll just keep going until all of a sudden you... <laughs> uh, good. You got some uh, books out there too. It sounds like you had some of those uh, and you're a podcaster too. And so just half a dozen things you do all day long and seem to uh, just include everything in the past in cybersecurity. So before, the, before we went on the break here, uh, we were talking more about how the trends of uh, hardening of uh, healthcare industry and some of the devices out there. And basically that platform of overexposure um, as we go through dialogue here. Um, so, I mean, the process uh, of hardening something like that, I, device after device after device, I can only imagine the vendor set and the, and the different uh, factors that would have to go into just um, making sure that those devices, those, uh, I always refer to them like the, the OT devices or the internet of things type of devices, you know. Um, I mean, one example is the heart rate monitor uh, that we use on our Fitbits, or um, these days you can actually, insulin pumps and things of that nature have the ability to be monitored by your phone, which is Bluetooth in or wirelessly capable um, that someone can disrupt, uh, even with monitoring devices on hearts now, um, and those types of medical devices that are embedded inside of the human being and monitor, uh, so that way the doctor can get real-time information from those patients that use those devices. And even those seem to be uh, not necessarily as secure as they should be. So, I mean, and, and, I mean, how hard can it be to, to really get some of this stuff underway? I thought in the industry, as I said previous, that, uh, you know, a lot of the, they're starting to push more towards hardening now. Do you see any trends in any other ways? Yeah, you how know, I, I think that the, there is a strong initiative to secure medical devices, uh, anything communicating with, over the internet um it's it, it's not that they can't do it yeah. there's a certification process that they have to go through also that's right uh and that takes time and uh six months to a year uh, yeah, you know, so yeah uh so if you needed a medical device and you wanted it secure right away chances are you're not going to be able to do it that's true it takes a length so, of time and yeah. then devices that are already out there that have Pass without the standard, you know, an implied uh, hardening or software or security standard. Uh, maybe that security standard is now changing, and 
make it harder actually get through that six months too yeah so there's a lot to take into consideration it's not just an easy statement hey let's secure our our medical devices or have the vendor do it uh we should have it a a fix in a week no not going to (laughs) happen but uh if they can move that fast that'd be amazing but uh they can't and uh you know it's a challenge and it comes back, you know, when we talked about uh, the overexposure, right? Uh, particularly in the healthcare industry, you'd be surprised what you can find, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, communicating over the internet. And, uh, you know, uh, there were some devices that I saw communicating in clear text. Uh, wow. Yeah, that used uh, APIs and things, right? Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, simply because yeah, I guess they didn't want to deal with uh, the encryption layer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> but uh you know when we talk about exposure also it's not just dns and, and uh, being able to discover ads and things um take for example uh you know being able to uh look at things like uh who is records on the internet uh being able to do a reverse who is and discover all kind of interesting things oh yeah, uh, yeah. oh yeah Particularly when a company has a good historical database that you know can go back many many years, yeah. uh, you can take an uh, email address or a phone number, and all of a sudden you can find out that they've registered eight thousand domain names, you know, and uh, be able to, to build a, a a pattern there, yeah, a profile uh, of a what profile. they are. Yeah. yeah, so we did that quite a bit uh, last year. Uh, we spent a lot of time. Uh, going through domain names uh, and pivoting off of uh, fields within uh, those records to figure out, uh, you know, who owned what and who was registering what. Uh, And uh, we were able to see also that, you know, the largest contributor, I think, to the problem today is registers. Really? Yeah. When when you look at... uh, well, I probably shouldn't mention their names, but you take the, <laughs> the big uh, registers out there, right, around yeah. the world, and they allow bulk registrations, and that allows someone to register 300, 500. I've seen 3,000 domain names registered at once with no other purpose than to uh, set up a scam or phishing attack or something. Or uh, There was one I ran into that the names indicated uh, the different stages of uh, a malware uh, campaign. So you're saying with a little bit of a little bit of know-how and understanding from the registrar's uh, perspective, you could probably halt a lot of this uh, activity that's that's trending Absolutely. in the wrong direction, right? Maliceness that's going on in the internet. Yeah, there's a there's some registers out there. You you have to apply as if you're applying for a business license. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. But the, there's ones out there that. it's the wild wild west whatever goes yeah that's 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 interesting topic it's something that we should further explore i think we're getting to the end of our podcast on this one but uh, maybe next time we can chat about what can be done (laughs) and maybe what what type of uh you know governance that the registrars might have to have to to to, uh you know because the way i see it is we're we're trying to approach the problem from the, the wrong end of it right yeah uh yeah we're, we're being it's like being thrown in the universe and you got to figure out you know all these stars instead of going to the creative of the stars and saying okay which ones are these yeah you know, yeah. yeah yeah and you can approach it from multiple sides too it's almost like we're not trying to approach it from inevitably what i mean you can blatantly see is obvious so that's just right so i mean 
this overexposure that you know we've been referencing throughout the conversation here um i mean like registers that's just one of them i'm sure you've probably thought through quite a few things that could be possible i mean the perspective of the culture and then the registers those are two definite things that i mean if, if you had a chance and thought we could you know that would if you had a wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden those those two things stop to cease yeah, I mean, how much do you think that would actually kick down in the everyday, you know, like ransomware activity? Hmm. I think it would reduce it significantly. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you look at .com, .com is absolutely uh, garbage now. <laughs> you know, anybody can have a .com. Everything's mixed in. You know, yeah, it's, everything. It's, There's no real, yeah. it's whatever frenzy you want to play into. Exactly right. So what what is a trusted TLD? Uh, if you're familiar with that term, uh, top level domain. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know of any. Yeah, um, I didn't know how, how that would and what rule set would you give? And is there any actually true governance out there today that regulates such things? Right. I mean, those so, are factors, right? Yep, you got it. Yeah. So. Um, Okay, so we're going to end of our podcast today, this session of New Cyber Frontier. Um, Ed, any last words that you'd like to give to the audience as far as perspective, our summary of, of uh, the three basic things you could think of? We, I think we talked about two of them there. What's, what's another one there? Well, what would you summarize as saying that would uh, prevent or, uh, like you said, really reduce uh, these? Well, you know, information is knowledge right but what do you do with that knowledge you have to make it actionable and uh i i think that's where people start to get lazy or organizations get lazy uh is that they they'll say okay well we'll adjust this next year you know we're doing a major data center upgrade right now we don't have time for this uh but the problem is some people out there do have time <laughs> and it's the wrong people <laughs> yeah usually yeah yeah so i mean with the cultural change shift I see that happening, trending in uh, certain organizations. So hopefully that will shine more light on those perspectives of, of, of reprioritizing some of these things, right? So we right. see the curve of information just be publicly accessible like that. That's yeah. stuff that shouldn't be. So oh, Exactly, right? And you know, just real quick, uh, you know, um, when you do a scan, I, I put in keywords like uh, ADFS, Okta, you know, Salesforce, things like that, right? Yeah. I, still I, I built a profile of just about every SaaS service out there uh, a company would use. And, uh, it, it's too easy. And then giant, just a giant pivoting vulnerability. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> detrimental. That, that actually is a, I don't know, that, I, I, I guess I'm not surprised, but it, it certainly yeah brings to mind that uh, there's several there's going to be it's, there's going to be a lot of jobs to be a lot of opportunities out there still to, <laughs> to be a cybersecurity professional i guess so uh, there is but i i still think a lot of companies don't want to spend the money either yeah yeah and so we're still not quite there yet i know i saw it trending over the last decade though we've 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 tightened uh we've gotten to new expectations i think finally finally i mean there there yeah. was some nose dives in there for the last two uh two decades but i think we're really making headway on this one in the cybersecurity community so maybe exactly. i'm wrong i'm just seeing it from my little world I'm <laughs> in there. So. yeah anyway thank you ed for being on our show today and i'm i'm glad we got a chance to talk about some of the uh things you might think that were important in today's world as far as you know the overexposure that's something i haven't heard before and uh certainly we'll probably take a look at it more in 
detail, um, but that's a good way of statement too. So uh, okay. thank you for being on. Um, and this is, uh, this will mark the end, I guess. Um, so uh, thank you everyone for listening to uh, New Cyber Frontier and uh, this will end our podcast for today. I'm your host, Tim Montgomery, and I hope everybody has a good cyber day. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.